Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Diskem. Pharmacist to care. And good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla and I will be your host or your hostess for the next hour here on the Diskem Medical Monday. It's coming up to holidays, lots of people going away, spending more time outdoors, spending more time doing activities that perhaps we wouldn't be exposed to so often. And uh, one of those activities is swimming. Right? Who doesn't love to either be swimming in the pool for hours and hours or in the sea, public pools, public places? Perhaps you're going off to a place like warm baths where there's uh, very public places and lots of shared water. And um don't know about you, but I remember as a kid, summer always meant earache. Inevitably, there would be, you know, spending so much time in the in the swimming pool either because you know, water had to still trickle out and my ears got blocked. Or, um, you know, there would, there'd be terrible um, earache afterwards. So I thought, well, you know what, let's talk about it as we're coming up to the holidays because prevention is better than cure. And if there's a way to pre- prevent swimmer's ear or any other kind of infection of the ear, then we should do that. So I've invited into studio ENT Dr. Dean Gerson, he practices at Net Care Linksfield. And, uh, yeah, second interview here at High FM. Yeah, second interview in one week. I'm glad you brought me back. <laughs> I'm glad, too, that you came back. You know what? We te- we tested you out. Okay, no, that's what well, Test me on the kids' show. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were fantastic with the kids. Thank you. All right. Um, swimmers, yeah, is it quite common? Very, very common, especially in summer and especially in a place like South Africa where people love to swim, people have pools. And uh, in this time where people go to the beach and common all around the year where people go to the mikveh, men and women. Um, mikveh? Yeah. You can get swimmers. Yeah, swimmers in the mikveh, even from bath or shower at home. So what exactly is swimmers here? Can I tell you? So any time water gets into Well, the I'll just leave. I was okay, going to ask can, that, but since you're asking yourself fine, the questions, yeah, yeah. I'll just go. Okay. <laughs> you, you, yeah, no, go get a cup of tea and I'm finished with what is swimmers here. You just can, let me know. You can come back. Um, okay, so swimmers here... Um, is derived from swimming. Okay, but not only swimming. Anytime water gets into the air, you can get swimmer's ear. It's just, I guess, most commonly it's associated with swimming. That's why it's called swimmer's ear. So the correct name for it is actually otitis externa. Otitis, which means inflammation of the ear and external from the external ear canal. So there are three parts to the ear. There's the external ear, which is your pinna, your, which is your um, outside ear, and the canal, that's your external ear. Then you get your middle ear, which is from your eardrum until the um, oval and round windows and that your inner ear which is your cochlea which is responsible for transmitting sound so swimmer's ear is an infection of the external ear the external ear canal so you've seen what happens if anyone stays in the bath too long they get you know those granny fingers oh they're called granny fingers I think though well, that's like what water, we, water that, log, you yeah, get all wrinkly yeah that's yes. what we called as uh, we call them as a child granny fingers <laughs> and um, what happens is anytime the external ear canal gets exposed to water and water for too long so normal water that goes in and out the ear is fine but if water stays inside the ear the ear canal lining can get wet and soggy for lack of use of better words macerated better medical word and when it does that you kind of get break down the integrity and your defense mechanisms of the skin and often in the water there are different bacteria the most common bacteria is something called pseudomonas and it's often found in swimming pools, especially public pools or warm pools, which are nice breeding baths for different bugs, good temperature um, for them to live in. 
And uh, so if you have a breakdown in the national def- natural defense mechanism of the skin, the skin barrier and, and uh, wax, then that bacteria is going to get in there. It's interesting because I think that the Pseudomonas bacteria exists, if I'm going back to what I know, yes. what I understand about water technology, anywhere where people perhaps have perspiration, any ammonia, they feed on, yeah, yeah. They so, feed so, on ammonia. So, so actually, perspiration, uh, urination. Yeah. So you're not, kill, you're not, yeah, and you're not, yeah, that's, that's right. So public pools are full of uh, pseudomonas. pseudomonas, yeah, because uh, of people's body fluids that go in there and, uh, a great place for them to live they go on holiday as well just like we go to warm bars they go to the <laughs> go to warm bars as well and once they get if all of us probably get them in and out our, uh, you know periodically but unless that skin is broken or macerated provides a nice warm environment for them to breed and they can be extremely troublesome and they're very worrying yeah very worrying so people swim and usually a couple of days later they'll present with ear pain and a discharge from the air, which is usually purulent, it's full of pus and uh, smelly, and it can be very, very painful. Your ear is extremely sensitive. There are lots of nerves that supply the ear, four or five nerves that supply the ear, and um, the ear is very, very sensitive. So they present with usually with ear pain and discharge, hearing loss. I don't think that there's another pain like earache. Yeah, so two, it's funny because the ear and the teeth are, um, they often have, uh, the ear and the teeth have, um, they share nerves, nerve supply. So often toothache goes to the ear and often earache goes to the tooth. Oh, so you can get so a referred got, pain. Yeah, a referred pain. So it's often extremely, extremely painful. All pay, people who have earache, you should check their teeth uh, as well because often referred pain from the teeth goes to the ear. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it's an extremely um, painful pain, if that makes sense. And uh, patients will often present very early because it's so painful. Right. So, well, that's that's the upside is that you can treat it quickly. Yeah, if you t- you've got it, yeah, you've got to treat it quickly. Um, how do you treat swimmers? Okay. So the most important thing is to make a correct diagnosis. Then, how do you do that? So how do you do that? So they come to you, and the ear canal is very swollen. Do you know what the tragus is? Tragus is this little part here. Um, is it the ear? It's not the earlobe. It's that little... Um, it's a little sticky outfit. Yeah, covering you your canal. Before you get to the actual inside yeah, of the ear. Yeah, so it's, it's, it actually tragus means goat's chin because it gets hairs on oh, it in I old people like a goat's it. chin. Because oh. <laughs> it gets hairs on it like in old people. That's, I promise you it's called a goat's... Tragus is goat's chin, apparently. Well, at least my textbook says. And um, the tragus is painful when you, when you press it because there's cartilage inside it and that cartilage gets inflamed. And when cartilage gets inflamed or infected, um, it's extremely, extremely painful. It's called a chondritis, and that's quite common in the ear. So you examine the ear. You've got to suction and clean out all the gunk or debris, they call it in the ear. It's usually white and nice and pussy. Is that painful? Very painful. What, to suction it out? Yeah. No, the suction out isn't painful. If you do it under a microscope, and be very gentle. And often that can be curative, um, just to suction out all that gunk that's in there. Your eardrum will be intact, so you know it's not an infection of the middle the middle ear. It's the canal's red and swollen, and um, once you've debrided or suctioned out the canal, then you put in antibiotic and cortisone drops. The antibiotic to kill the bug, the pseudomonas, which it usually is, and the cortisone decreases the inflammation in in the ear. So that's uh, that's how you treat it. You give the patient some ear drops to take home, which is a mixture of cortisone and um, antibiotic. The most common one we use here in South Africa is called Silodex. And a uh, patient puts in their ear for about 10 days. If it's very swollen and painful, you we put in like almost, it's, it's a, called a, a Pope wick, which is, I don't know why it's called that, but it's essentially like 
a small little piece of sponge you put in the ear, and that sponge is impregnated with antibiotics and cortisone, and it expands and it prevents the ear canal from swelling and closing. So you can put that in as well. Very important in patients who are diabetic or immunocompromised, chemotherapy, HIV, that swimmer's ear or hepatitis externa can become something called necrotizing hepatitis externa or malignant hepatitis externa. It's not cancerous, but malignant meaning it just it's very, very aggressive and it can spread all the way through your middle ear into your temporal bone. They can present with um, bone infections and cranial nerve palsies and it can really have huge morbidity in um in diabetics, so that would probably apply also to um, you know people who are taking drugs like that are immune system yeah yeah, yeah like suppressant chem- like methotrexate yeah yeah for sure uh, people who have um, autoimmune diseases and on chemotherapy like yeah. That, yeah arthritis yeah, sure, you know sure. any, anything like that then sure. you should probably you not need to treat be it. swimming in public places <laughs> if you do you can uh, wear ear pl- it's funny because people say can we wear earplugs so sure earplugs are known to help but if you get water in with earplugs, then you put the earplug in, then it creates an even warmer, more toasty environment for the bacteria to breathe. So you just need to be careful that when you do put in earplugs, you put them in when your ears are dry and you take them out when you're out of the pool. Don't take them in and out when you're in the pool because if you get water in your ear and then you trap them in with the earplug, then you're in trouble as well. So earplugs are not just earplugs. Um, right, so, you get earplugs so you get, for sound. So yeah, you get earplugs for sound and you get earplugs for... Um, for water. For swimming, yeah. yeah. They make they mold it to your ear. Your audiologist can do it for you. Um, but a simple thing that you can do, often they get lost, um, earplugs, because you imagine you're swimming with them, especially in kids. So what I often tell people is to is to take a piece of prestic that's as big as the outside of your ear. That's not going to get stuck or, squ- you know, like stuck in your ear. So like the size of maybe a two-round coin or a five-round coin and put it in your ear and squash it into the shape of the ear. And those make fine, cheap Earplugs, plastic. Look good. Yeah, they they cheap and they. I mean, I've got kids, and you know that kids. And that's what you did. Plastic in the ear. Kids lose things. Yeah. So, especially if they've got grommets, which we can talk about just now, um, and grommets create a pathway for the germs to get into the middle ear. That's when you would want to cover them with plastic as well. You're on 101.9 High FM. This is the Discam Medical Monday. I'm Kathy Kaler. My guest is ENT. That's ear, nose, and throat specialist Dr. Dean Gerson. He practices at Netcare Clinic or Netcare Linksfield. If you've got any questions, we're talking about ear health. And if you have any questions, it could be anything to do with the ear, actually. Then you let me know, 34519, that's the text line. Alternatively, you can send us a text on WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists to care. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me on this Discam Medical Monday. And my guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. And uh, he's from Netcare Linksfield. He's an ENT and that's an ear, nose and throat specialist. We're talking about ear health. You know, ear, earache is got to be one of the most intense pains Um it can it can actually drive you mad. I'm convinced. Aside from that, the ear is very close in proximity to the brain. You know, anything around the head, <laughs> I think you should have treated straight away. Whether it's your teeth, whether it's your nose, whether it's your eyes, whatever it is, because it's all very very closely um, situated to the brain. So uh, I thought, you know, it's the end of the year, people going away, lots of people swimming, especially. We have fantastic weather here in South Africa, and it's just perfect to, you know, go into those 
those watery holidays where you just spend time. There's a lot of different places that you can get ear infections, um, as Dr. Gerson was saying, especially public places. And what he, one of the things that he mentioned was the mikveh. Mikveh is a ritual bath um, that Jewish women and some men are, are required or visit. Choose to go to. Yeah. Choose to go to. And, uh, yeah, apparently a source of uh, Sure, it can be. I mean, I would imagine that the, I mean, I'm probably just generalizing that the men's mikvehs are probably dirtier than the women's. Why would that be? Um, men often visit the It's not so, I mean, we're not going to get into the mikveh discussion, but men, uh, there are men who go to the mikveh every day before they, before they pray. Mm-hmm. So it's often just more uh, women go at night and uh, they ha- the, you know, the. There's a ritual before yeah, you go yeah, to the sure. mikveh. Is there not sure, a ritual clean, no, like no, that no, for men? No, there isn't, but I mean, it's expected that men will shower before or clean before they go into the mikveh, but just clean themselves. But men will often go the whole day and they'll go at night, so there's no time spent. And, and often the men are less um, fussy, I guess, about the condition of the, the mikvah. So uh, the women's mikvahs are generally clean during the day and chemicals are put in and that. But uh, men's mikvahs more commonly. But, I mean, it could be the opposite. could be that I'm just uh, generalizing. Okay, okay. but it is anytime you get, let's just say, anytime you go to water, especially public water, um, you're at, at risk of getting it. Okay, so what happens in a case of mikvah? A mikvah, if you visit the mikvah, you cannot be wearing any clothes. Sure. So you cannot have, you know, artificial nails. Yeah, or, you can't have any chatzitz or, or any, which, anything. That's, any barrier any between barrier. you so and the yeah, water. So it would just be important to dry your ears nicely after the mikvah. All so right. So could you... Okay, so you dry the outside with a towel and then out- you take an earbud? No ways. I you- hate that word. You ca- earbuds are actually not called earbuds. They're meant to be called cotton buds. They were made, um, you shouldn't put, the, the, the stupid saying is that you shouldn't put anything smaller than your elbow inside your ear. Can you put your elbow inside no, your No, well, that's ear? the point because you're not meant to put, cotton, I don't know what earbuds were made for, cotton buds in America, or Q-tips they call them there. But they are, I mean, they're good for business for me because what, what happens when you use them? First of all, people often poke or injure the inside of the ear. And that can also cause the same as swimmer's ear, this atitis externa. You cut the ear and you um, make an incision where it grays in the skin and then bacteria get in there. So you can also present um, with atitis externa, the exact same pain and discharge from the ear from using um, cotton buds. Then second thing they do is they push the wax backwards, actually. Your ears are self-cleaning. So the wax is made by the cerumen gland, and with the different hairs in the ear, they push the wax out, and the wax carries everything out with it. So ears are meant to clean themselves. Um, the third thing they do is they actually can um, paralyze the, the hairs in your ear that have that spiral flow of wax coming out. So as I said, you shouldn't be using cotton buds for your ear. You can jump on the side to get the water out, dry it with a towel. You can try use a hairdryer if you want. Um, some people are predisposed to getting um, swimmers ear or atitis externa. People with very small ear canals, people with a lot of wax, water can get trapped behind. Or p- some people just because they have uh, eczema, uh, itchy ears, skin diseases, they also, any time there's a, a propensity for water to stay in the ear or they, have a, um, they don't have that intact barrier in the skin they can get uh, otitis externa. So, yeah, every time you swim, I would say, you know, wipe with a towel on the outside, then jump up and down on that side to get the water out. 
Um, but definitely no cotton buds or as you call them earbuds in your ear. Definitely not. So how are you supposed to clean your ears? You're not meant to. That's the thing. Your ears are meant to be self-cleaning. So the wax goes to the outside, and if you see it close enough to the outside that you can reach it with a towel or a tissue or cotton, fine. You can use cotton buds on the outside of your ear, but don't put them past, you know, the the tragus, the goat's chin. You're not meant to use them. You're looking at me like in such shock that your, um, whole, life um, um, been, um, your whole life has been a lie. You've always been taught to use uh, cotton buds. I'm You're questioning I'll, everything I've ever I believed. I can't even tell you how much business it brings to me. That people who have wax impaction because of earbuds, they push the wax in. And blocks them in, or the cotton tip comes off inside the ear, and I have to remove it, or they go through the eardrum. Can we not get eardrops that would just keep the the ear canals? So they are. So clear. the best. So the best thing to use is it's a natural oil called sweet oil, sweet oil, and to put drops in it that loosens and dissolves the wax, and the wax will come out by themselves. So often, if a patient will come to me and they've got very hard wax that's impacted, that's the only time the ear is meant to be cleaned when there's so much wax. That you actually can't hear yeah, completely blocks blocks the ear, and that can happen. Other people produce too much wax, or the ear canals are a funny shape, or they're very curved, or they're very thin, and then I'll have to clean out the wax from the ear. It's a very very sensitive procedure, but if the wax is very very hard, we'll get them to put sweet oil in the ear for like a week, and that makes the wax soft, and then we'll suction or wash it out the ear. So it's you're absolutely not, fascinating. Yeah, you're not meant to you're not meant to clean your ears. I think I should have made the body that you don't meant to, your ears are self cleaning. It's just that we associate wax as being gross. So I think that's the reason why people want to clean their ears because I feel wax is gross. But wax is normal. You're meant to have wax in your ear. It protects and lines your ear, traps all dirt and pathogens, and it keeps the ear at a good pH that bacteria don't uh, grow. So in terms of wax production of the ear, should there be a constant flow of wax coming out of your ear yeah, or, or are there times where your ear will produce more wax no, and wa- times where it will um, produce less I'm not sure but I think your ears just produce constant wax the the whole time um, often if there is maybe too much wax in the ear then water can get stuck behind it and if the water gets stuck behind it you can be predisposed to swimmers ear. another important thing that I, was, that I left out is that you can also get fungal infections so 90% of um, the infections in the ear canal are bacterial but you can get fungal infections either from the water itself. It's almost like, it's pretty gross, like athlete's foot. You know, at the public pools and public baths, you can get that in your in That's your the reason ear. you slip slops exactly. to shower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can get that in your ear. Or if you've used even antibiotics, and the antibiotics kill all the good bacteria in your ear, you can get fungal overgrowth, which then is treated with a, an, an ointment. So you can actually see the spores growing, you know, like moldy bread? Yeah. You can see that growing in the ear. Really? Yeah. What an effective job. It's you amazing. Have. Yeah. It's not, sp- <laughs> it's not spit and wax. It's unbelievable. That's incredible. Yeah. So you need to, that same treatment is the same. You clean it out, suction it out, and then put an antifungal instead of an antibiotic inside the ear. And what are the symptoms of that? Also, earache. Pain, blocked ear, and um, discharging from the ear. Yeah. You need discharge from the ear. You should go. Yeah, sure. Wax is normal. Any other ENT. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. All right. So otherwise, sweet oil. Sweet, sweet oil. Sweet oil. Yeah. Um, but never use Q-tips. Or never use Q-tips. People call them buds. earbuds. Cotton. Q-tips or cotton buds. Yeah. Don't call them earbuds because they're not meant for your ear. You're looking at me like your whole life's <laughs> been, dis- you know, destroyed. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about other infections. Okay, so, so other infections of the external ear. Okay, so so that's um, as I said, either from swimming, from injury, from scratching in the ear. If people have eczema or allergies, they're often predisposed to getting um, 
infections in the ear because of the um, breakdown of the skin or the the barrier that the skin usually provides to infection is not intact and you can get infections in the ear. Um, and then you have your middle ear, which is part of... The, that's pretty much for your for your external ear. Um, then you have your middle ear, which comes after the eardrum. And that's where we see the most common infections, ear infections. That's the classic ear infection. That's a middle ear infection, middle ear infection. where people lose their balance. So, yeah, not always, but the most com- not always lose their balance. They can. It's more the balance is more with the inner ear infection, which we'll get uh, to just now. Okay. But a middle ear infection, so what do, what do uh, people present with? It's usually kids. Um, they present high fever, miserable ear pain. And when you look in the ear, it's angry and red. There's fluid and, and pus in the ear. And that's an acute hepatitis media or a middle ear infection. How do they get an infection there? So um, do you know what the eustachian tube is? Eustachian tube is that the the tube that goes down it between the ear and, and your the throat. throat? Yeah, so that's the that's the tube that joins your uh, middle ear to your throat. And what does it do? It equalizes pressure between you know, like when you're flying on a plane, or you go up and down, and then you mm. swallow, or you blow, your, you know, block your nose, or you chew chewing gum to equalize. That's the tube that equalizes pressure between your middle ear and uh, your throat. The second thing it does is just as your nose produces snot and your mouth produces saliva, your ear produces fluid, just like a normal fluid, serous fluid, and that fluid needs to be drained. So that goes through the eustachian tube. The problem in children is that because of the shape of their head, that it's, it's quite large and um, compared to their body and part of normal development, the eustachian tube is very short, thin, and horizontal. In adults, it's much longer and wider and it goes down at an angle with gravity so the fluid in the ear naturally runs down into your throat problem with children is you don't have that that gravity and the tubes often dysfunctional so you get a buildup of fluid in the middle ear so fluid in the middle ear doesn't necessarily mean it's an infection that's just called a tightest media with effusion fluid in the middle ear the problem with having fluid in the middle ear is it can do two things one it causes hearing loss which is very uh, important, especially in children around, you know, the age that they're learning to speak and and hear. So that's important to treat that, and we'll go into how to treat that now. The second thing is that fluid in the middle ear is just a culture medo- medium waiting to be infected with bacteria. Bacteria love the fluid in the middle ear, so anytime someone, a child especially, gets throat infection or bacteria in their nose, it goes straight up the eustachian tube and into the middle ear, infects that fluid, and that's how you get an acute hepatitis media, which is the middle ear infection. Another reason is, uh, I think I was told this when my kids used to get middle ear infections, yeah. is because a lot of kids, especially young kids, are drinking lying down. Yes, so that's with so, a bottle. So for sure, that's that's for that's sure. Move reason. them onto cups, get them off bottles. Yeah, or you can leave them. Try leave them story. up. Try leave let them drink at an angle, sit up. You know, like either in a car seat or in a wedge, or yeah, yeah. try feed them a little bit upright. None of that lying around on the couch drinking yeah, or sure, in bed. Or sure, sure, but we know how hard that is to prevent. Yeah, but um, yeah, very very true. Um, the fluid then goes straight uh, onto it just the runs station. Back. Yeah, runs back straight to the station tubes, which don't work properly in the children. Yeah. I'm speaking Already. to Dr. Dean Gerson. He's an ENT, practices at Linksfield Clinic. If you've got any questions, we're talking about ear health. And uh, I think we can open it up to any questions about the ear. On And how do you get in touch? 061-895-1019. You can also SMS 34519. So uh, is that the most common of the middle ear infections? So, is it yeah. always the same bacteria? Um, 
Not always the same bacteria, but very common, uh, the same bacteria that's in the back of your nose and your, or your throat. Um, but uh, it's very, very common. I'd say most of my practice is seeing children with fluid in, in their ears. And uh, the bread and butter of any ENT practice is putting in grommets. So I'll tell you now. What are grommets? What are grommets? That's, well, you can ask me what are grommets. I don't want to steal your question from you. Okay, so what are grommets? So now when you have fluid in the middle ear, just fluid in the middle ear, it's not infected. All children will have fluid in the middle ear at some time. So how do we get the fluid out of the middle ear? So what we can try to do is give them a nose spray or nose drops, a quarter zone nose spray, nose drops to open the eustachian tube that's in the back of your nose or at the top of your throat. If that doesn't work and the child has got hearing loss or they're getting recurrent ear infections because of this fluid in the middle ear, then what we do is we put in something called a grommet. So what is a grommet? Some places they're called ventilation tubes. So it's a tiny, tiny little tube shaped like a dumbbell, and you put that in the eardrum. What does that do? That allows that fluid in the middle ear that can't drain into the throat, it drains out through the outside ear, through the ear canal. So when you have a buildup of fluid or a buildup of pressure inside the ear, that fluid goes out. Um, into the canal. Uh, also, another nice thing is that when the child does get ear infections, it doesn't prevent them getting further ear infections, it just means that when they do get ear infections, that the fluid will come out. You can give them ear drops to treat that ear infection. You don't have to give them an oral antibiotic. And that those ear drops go straight through the grommet into the middle ear. One thing that I get often, very, very um, often, and it really irks me, is that people give, um, who don't know, they give ear drops to children or adults who have ear infections and you put the eardrops in a middle ear infection and then how's it meant to get there can't get through the eardrum so it's just it's uh, just sitting it's just it's like almost having like a trying to get water down through a block drain or a drain with a plug in yeah it just sits in the outside ear and it's just an expensive waste of eardrops so you have to have a, either perforation a hole in the eardrum or you have to have um, a grommet in for those drops to get into the middle ear and that can kill the back the bacteria in the ear so now you have the grommet. The grommet is a pressure equalization tube, and it also is a drain for the middle ear. That fluid can. How do you out. get it into the eustachian tube? So you don't put it in the eustachian tube. You put it into the eardrum. Okay. Oh, so it's so between. So it, it's it looks like a like a, like a dumbbell. Yeah, like the, a dumbbell. The one, the one. They'll go on either side of either the, side of the eardrum. So you make a small cut in the anterior inferior. So in the front bottom part of the eardrum, you make a small cut. You suction out whatever gunk's in there, and then you put the grommet in there. Now, and will it change how their child can hear? For sure. You see children often wake up and they'll say, like, stop shouting or stop, you know, or really? they'll, or, yeah, often. Literally, you can see within a few days their, their speech improves, they stop, their hearing is better, often their balance is better. So they can, for sure, be life-changing. And it's important. If you don't put in grommets and you wait too long, the child's eardrum will perforate or burst. And that's not good because often those perforations don't heal as we want them to. The grommets will usually fall out um, any time before six months as the eardrum heals or closes. They will push the grommet out and hopefully um, the child won't need another set. But I had four sets as a child and I've had patients who've had four to six sets of grommets. And until the eustachian tubes um, start to elongate and uh, grow vertical, that's at the age of like six or seven, then the child might need grommets until then. But you do get grommets in adults as well. Really? Yeah. So always be susceptible. Yes. There are people who always will have eustachian tubes that don't function properly, and uh, that can be a, a physiological or anatomical dysfunction. 
meaning they built funny or they just don't work properly, and uh, they'll maybe need grommeters in adults. Right. My guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. He's an ENT, and um, this this I think is going to freak you out a little bit. Yes. Kathy, my son-in-law uses toothpicks. I wonder how common this is. Jeez. I don't know. How many people have you seen who clean their ears with toothpicks? So um, I haven't seen toothpicks. I've seen lots of matches. I've seen lots of people with match cleaning their ears with matches. But toothpicks are sharp. Toothpicks are sharp. I'm sure the guy's playing with fire because a he can get him some get him some matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get him some matches or some. At least the matches are blunt. I'm not advocating matches, but they're better than toothpicks. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that, I mean, I've never heard of that before, but that's extremely dangerous for the skin on the ear, getting outside ear infections for perforating your eardrum and uh, causing hearing loss. And yeah. scratching inside. And, of course, that scratch then becomes infected. Yeah. Infected. Well, very easily. Yeah, it's, sure. It's that's, opening I it would up. say that's, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. <laughs> like okay. using a needle or a pen. Yeah, I told you it was going to freak you out. Yeah. So if you, uh, I don't know. Get him some matches, rather. Yeah, I'll bring him to me. I'll clean his ears out for him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What in t- what what does it entail when you clean out? So, um, so it depends what you're cleaning out. But I've got like uh, you do it under a microscope so that you can see nicely and not into the ears. As I said, the ears very sensitive, and you don't want to touch, especially in kids, the inside of the ear canal because they'll jump, and then they jump. You can go through the eardrum, and when you're cleaning around the eardrum, you also want to be very delicate and gentle so you don't go through it. Um, so we use um, a microscope and we use a special tiny suction that suctions all of it out. Another thing that you can do for wax, you use a, a syringe with a long tip and you can flush. You keep on um, flush and suck, uh, flushing out the wax that's in the ear. So, and then you'll um, suction out the liquid in the ear after that. Yeah. Do you know who Dr. Pimple Popper is? I've seen I've seen Have the, vi- seen I've seen the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen it. I mean, I do in my ta- in government. You see a lot of those facial abscesses and necks abscesses. Wouldn't be pimples per se, but a lot of a lot of uh, abscesses. And you often do get blackheads around the ear. They gross me out a little bit, but I do. Um, I, I for sure do like uh, squeeze them. When they, they, There's yeah. something very gratifying about watching Doctor Pimple Popper. It is, yeah, something, videos. yeah, I like, uh, yeah, I do enjoy that <laughs> as well. Um, but you must see the, you must see some of the abscesses. That, I mean, in government, patients often, pre- unfortunately, present late, you know, because, due to lack of access to healthcare, and they right. come with giant, giant abscesses. You know, literally hundreds of mils of pus that you have to drain out their neck or their face or even their ear. Gosh. Yeah. Pretty gross. And by the, and by and by that stage, it's, that stage it's already be, very difficult. Yeah, on that stage, they're very, very, they're very sick. As you said, you know, the ears, the ear is uh, very close to your brain, and it can drain to your neck as well. So if you leave a, an ear infection untreated, it can either go outwards or up to your eardrum. It can go backwards into the mastoid. The mastoid is essentially a cavity or sinus behind your ear, that hard bone behind your ear. Um, can go through there, can go into your brain, can give you a meningitis can give you a brain abscess. So sure, if you leave an um, ear infection untreated for too long, it really can become dangerous. Well, think about it. I mean, even if you if you feel just behind your ears, I yeah. mean, you've got glands. Sure. You know, so anyone who's had tonsillitis, mumps. Yeah, they'll feel the glands. Or even there. an ear infection will, will know that you've got glands and you can feel them. Yeah, you can. And, and often... Um, uh, patients will present um, with with one of the first signs of an otitis external or swimmer's ear can be also that they have glands. We've uh, we've spoken about outer ear infection, yes. middle ear infection, yes. which is very very common in kids. Yes. 
let's talk about inner ear infection. Sorry, just before I get yes. onto, onto inner ear, middle, middle ear, I didn't say middle ear infection is treated with oral antibiotics, not yes. like we said outer ear is treated with, with drops or, or ointment. Yes. A middle ear infection is treated with antibiotics, usually high dose, and for 10 days. Important that is for 10 days because it's a very hard place for the antibiotic to get to, and if you don't treat it for 10 days, you can get failure of... Uh, of treatment. Unless you have grommets, in which Unless case you have grommets, you can use drops, use yeah, which drops. is really great for kids because I don't know if you, I mean, you probably have tried to get uh, antibiotics into a kid. Very, very difficult. I don't remember it being particularly difficult. Okay, oh, okay well, mine at least, they <laughs> refuse to take uh, any, any oral medication. Okay, so then talking about inner ear. So, what is your inner ear? Your inner ear is made up of something called the cochlea, which is a snail shaped part of bone with a sensory organ inside it. And that has many hairs, and those hairs are deflected, causing you to hear sound, changing uh, mechanical energy into electrical energy. So what does the eardrum do? So the eardrum, okay, so I'll tell you, the, the transmission of sound, the sound waves go in your ear. Yeah. They vibrate the eardrum. Then the eardrum is connected to three small bones, the hammer, anvil, and stirrup, or the malleus, incus, and stapes, and those amplify the sound. Then they go to the oval window, which is your connection between your middle ear and your inner ear. So the eardrum vibrates, the bones, the bones vibrate, and they transfer the sound into the fluid of the cochlea. And that sound travels around the cochlea and deflects the hairs in the cochlea at different frequencies, and that sends nerve signals through a nerve called the cochlear nerve or the vestibular cochlear nerve, and that goes to your brain to tell you what the sound is. Isn't it an absolute wonder of engineering? Yeah, the human it's fascinating. Body. The more you look at the body, incredible. I, yeah, well, at least for me, the more you look at the body, you can see the divine creation in it because there's, there's nothing. No that, question. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, for me, it's like also it just there's just uh, there's no question about it. For sure. So so yeah, if you look at the miracle of sound and of the ear, um, you can for sure see um, Hashem's intervention, Hashem's creation. So you get transfer of sound from mechanical energy. Um, into electrical energy or nerve stimulation. Now, the problem is when you get an infection inside the cochlea or inside the nerve, the cochlear nerve, and inside the vestibule. Have you heard of something? The, the vestibule? No. Have you heard of vestibulitis? So, inside your, mid, your inner ear, yeah, sorry, there's the cochlea, and then there are three semicircular canals. Have you heard of the semicircular canals? So, those, no. are, those are canals inside your ear which, which measure movement. And acceleration to, together with these sensory organs called the neutricle and saccule. And they measure whether your head's going from left to right, up or down, or side to side. So in three directions, which are the same. Pilots know them as roll, pitch, and yaw. Have you heard about that? No. Okay, so that's this direction. <laughs> when you move your head from shoulder to shoulder, that's yes. roll. Yes. Pitch is when you move like your chin up and down. Yes. And yaw is what your tail of your airplane would give you from side to side. Like that. So they're all three directions of your of your head. Those semicircular canals will measure which direction your head is m- moving in. And they've got sensory organs at the bottom. So if you've got an infection of that, those, that's when you get severe, severe vertigo or dizziness. And what is vertigo? Vertigo is the sensation that either you are spinning around the room or the room is spinning around you. And that's... Uh, Very unpleasant. Extremely unpleasant and, deb- have, yep. and debilitating, completely debilitating. When patients come in, they are completely dysfunctional, often nausea, vomiting, and uh, they can't function in life. because you Can't, can't drive, can't, can't drive, walk, you can't walk, you can't get up. Can't work, often can't when, do anything. Yeah, and yep. when they, often when they eat, they'll vomit. So it's completely debilitating. So let's talk about something called a vestibulitis or vestibular 
neuritis. So these are viral infections, often caused by like herpes virus. You know, like the virus that causes cold sores. Yeah. On your lips, they live in your nerves and they love your nerves, and they'll often really yeah, and they'll you can't get rid of them. Unfortunately, people who've had cold sores with you for life. Anytime your immune system is down, those viruses will come back out to party. Fascinating. Yeah, they live in your they live in your nerves and your cranial nerves. And uh, they will live in your ear, either in the nerve or your ear or the vestibule, those semicircular canals. And what happens when that virus activates, the nerve swells and the nerve stops firing and your brain has gets an abnormal signal that your head is turning. So you, the two nerves in your ear, you've got in your right ear and your left ear, are always firing at a baseline rate. When you turn to the left, your left nerve fires faster and your right nerve fires slower. So your head knows that you're... Your your body, kind your brain like knows alternating pedals. Exactly that your that your head is turning to the left. Okay, so now the problem is when you have an infection in the one nerve, that one nerve is always having decreased firing. So now your head thinks that your brain your brain thinks that your head is always turning to the opposite side. Mm. Patients have severe severe vertigo, often nausea and vomiting, and that vertigo lasts often from hours to days. It's terrible and debilitating. And that's from, a, as I said, a viral infection in the inner ear. So how do we treat that? We treat that with hard dose of cortisone, and that um, reduces the swelling in the nerve and anti antivirals. Um, that, besides being in the nerve and in the vestibule, which is the um, balancing part of your ear, they can also spread to the cochlea. And when they do, patients get, or people get um, hearing loss as well So it can be very dangerous They present with vertigo and hearing loss You do a hearing test and you can see that That whole vestibular cochlear nerve is now taken out You get them onto urgent antivirals and cortisone And hopefully you can regain their um, hearing And you can regain their um, vestibular function If you don't um, Often they need to have something called vestibular rehabilitation Which is almost like physiotherapy for your ear or um, teaches you how you're teaching your ear to balance again and to do movements again. And if or if that ear is permanently damaged, teaching the other ear to compensate for the decreased signals from that ear. Gosh, I've got two friends, yeah. both of whom... Only two? Oh. <laughs> no, both... Oh, no. No. <laughs> I have two friends that this has affected. Okay. Um, the one... You know, relatively young young yes. woman. It started when she was forty five. Yeah, and she has been to. It feels like every specialist under the sun. Yeah, they've said that it's this disease, it's that disease. Have to wear different colored glasses, whatever. Nothing has helped. Yeah, Nothing so it's often helped. it's often often uh, and still this vertigo as a as a as a trainee. Um, when someone used to come into your office and I said they're dizzy, you'd be like, oh, my God, because it's like the worst thing to have a dizzy patient because um, it's, be often, so it's very complex, could be so many things. And also the patient's symptoms, um, you know, the lightheadedness versus off-balance versus dizziness versus real, you know, true vertigo, which is the room spinning around. So ENTs usually only deal with um, vertigo, true vertigo. Um, you can get vertigo from the brain from other diseases in the brain or you can get it from from the ear. So when we look at the vertigo, we look at how long has it start how long what was the onset and how long does it last for? So the most common one which you see is something called BPPV or benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And in those semicircular canals that I told you about, you get different crystals and those crystals are deflected by fluid every time you move your head. And if those crystals get loose or into the wrong canal when your head has stopped moving, those crystals carry on moving because they are out of place now. 
And so um, it often presents that the person will be in bed, they'll turn to the side or they'll look up, they'll hang something on the washing line or the shelf, and all of a sudden they get severe, severe vertigo. And that lasts, though, for about 45 seconds. And that's great because we it's a very specific history and, and symptomatology, and we can do special exercises to put those crystals back into position. So that's, last, that's vertigo that lasts for seconds to minutes. Then you get vertigo that lasts from minutes to hours, and that's something called Meniere's disease. Have you heard of Meniere's disease or Meniere's syndrome? I have heard of Meniere's not like, disease. Not like Meniere. Like, uh, there are often a lot of kids at King David that have Meniere's disease. because oh. they, <laughs> Meniere. They're Meniere's, you know. <laughs> but the, the real one is a French M-E-N-I-E-R-E-S, Meniere's disease. Or Meniere, we say in South Africa, Meniere's disease. <laughs> and uh, that is where you have um, high pressure in the, in the inner ear, high pressure in the middle ear, many different theories as to why you get this high pressure. And these people get fluctuating hearing loss. They get severe vertigo. They often get drop attacks. And they get um, a feeling of oral fullness, that their ear is blocked. And it can be severely uh, debilitating, of very poorly understood disease. And sounds like what your friend might have had. And uh, very, ha- very hard to treat. Yeah, and very, and very, very hard to treat Meniere's disease. Yeah. So that's the one we don't like when they tell you they've got vertigo from minutes to hours. And the third thing, which is hours to days, is that vestibular neuronitis or the viral infection of your um, of your inner ear and your uh, vestibular cochlear nerve. And the fourth thing is a vestibular migraine. They are, you know, um, people who get migraines, and either the aura for the migraine or the symptom of the migraine is vertigo so they'll get vertigo and then they'll know they're going to have a migraine they get photophobia and a headache as well so they want to be you know in dark room with low noises phonophobia and photophobia is the um the fear or uh, intolerance of light and phonophobia to sound and uh, you treat those like you would treat a migraine you see a neurologist give them uh, anti-migraine drugs and uh, that vertigo can be resolved like that. Absolutely fascinating. There's a message that's come through from Gail. Thank you, Gail. Um, Gail listening to us in Israel. Hi, she Gail. Says, um, this is such an important topic. She says she's got two questions for you. Mm. I'll give them to you one at a time. Okay. She says, uh, what is adequate ear protection for babies to avoid damage from the extreme volume of music at weddings. Sure, that, yeah, so. That I've, is so I've important. Seen, it is, I've seen, I have seen that before, and often, have you ever been at a wedding or at a concert, and afterwards, you have the severe ringing in your ears? Yes. Have you ever had that? So that's called tinnitus. Tinnitus is the a sound that's uh, in your ears, and it can be from many things, but often one of them is from noise exposure, and that's actually from damage to the, the hair cells inside your, your cochlea. Hmm. So, um, if you if you were exposed to that every day, like you're a machine worker or a musician, or you went to a lot of concerts, or or you're a wedding crasher, um, you would um, get severe um, severe hearing loss from noise exposure. So the best thing for those babies would uh, would be like ear like proper ear protection. Like have you ever seen they use at the shooting range or they use people use in factories mm. or ear pl- or earplugs for sure. That's that's very important. Like yeah, very important. So are there earmuffs like proper proper ones? That go over your head, not like the ones that you use for like the warm, you know, when you're cold. Proper ear protection or inside um, earplugs, very important. Yeah, you can damage the hearing at All weddings. Right. And the second question. question? The second yeah. question is after years of using those earbuds. Yes. 
And she's put earbuds in, in because she knows you don't like us to use the word earbuds. earbuds. No such thing as earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible that wax may have been pushed inwards and compacted, causing a degree of deafness? deafness? Yeah, for sure. For sure. The most common uh, uh, cause of people come in and they say, I can't hear or my ears blocked is wax impaction. And that's from years and years often of cotton bud usage. And uh, they will give them, they, they often present with a conductive hearing loss. You can talk about hearing loss if you want to as well. And um, they present with a conductive hearing loss. And that hearing loss is because the wax in the ear is not allowing the sound waves to get through. So when the sound waves can't get through, um, the person can't hear, and they'll go to the ENT, and you'll have the wax cleaned out, and it's like a different world you can, you can hear. So will it form a complete plug? Yes, yes. So you won't have any wax in your ear yeah, coming out at all? Yeah, you won't have all. any coming out at all. You'll see a plug, and it's pretty gross. I won't lie, even though I see it often. Some of the wax plugs I've seen, it's a mixture of like hair, dead skin, and wax, and it comes out as this like, almost this like, I feel like a furball, like a wax furball, and I often do gag sometimes when I see it coming out of... Okay, well, yes. honest. Yeah. Don't use those cotton buds that's on in your, your ears. ears. Yes. Um, or that's, or toothpicks, that's, yeah. Or, no, definitely not toothpicks. Yeah. But you said that that's really the primary cause. Is yeah. That it keeps pushing the wax down. Keeps on pushing down. the wax. Not only does it push the wax down, it also disrupts the normal movement of your um, ear wax and hairs to get it out. I've spoken almost exclusively about earwax. Yeah. What color should healthy earwax be? So different. Pe- it's funny because different uh, populations of different colored earwax, and also different. Really? Different. Yeah. White people's earwax is often different to black people's earwax, and often, often, um, elderly's earwax is different to young people's so earwax. It changes according yeah, to. It, cha- it often it often changes, but uh, most mm-hmm. of the time it's a it's a brownie kind of orange uh, color. It can also be very dark black. Or can really? Or, yeah, it can be very dark black. Yeah, it can also be um, like white and flaky, which is it almost looks like a, a bit like a bit of da- and scaly, like dandruff. Also pretty gross. Yeah. Okay, and are any of those? They're all normal. They're, they're all, all normal. They're all normal. Yeah, wax in the ear is normal, and all those colours are normal. The only time you would worry when something's coming out your ear are the blood, so red um, or a greeny white, milky or a liquid. Yeah. Okay, now that I'm feeling a little bit, a bit f- faint here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another m- question for you: Why do some of us feel suffer from nausea while traveling? Okay, so has that got anything to do with the ear? For sure, that's all the yeah, yeah. So, what happens is when you are traveling in a car, um, think about it: your bo- your brain is feeling the, that you are moving, but your eyes are telling your body that you're not moving. Because you're in an airplane, right? You can't see that you're moving. Mm. You're sitting in the airplane, the airplane's moving with you. Um, and it's similar in a car as well, that if you're looking down and reading a book, your ears are getting... So that's often the biggest cause. If people are reading or looking at their phones in the car, your ears are getting the signal, hey, you're moving, and your eyes are getting the signal telling your brain you're not moving. So often what can help is if you choose to stare at a point in the distance... And watch that so that your eyes and ears are giving your brain the same signal. An airplane, not so hard to do, not so easy to do that. And the same on the inside of a, of a ship. So what you can do um, in that case is take, um, anti- there's motion sickness tablets, which often um, suppress your vestibular system, your ear moving system. But a uh, very good question, often because you just, your eyes and your ears are telling your brain different different things. So if you if you take travel sickness pills, right, yes. and you're going on a, on a cruise, yes. and it suppresses your vestibular Refle- reaction, yes. reflexes, yeah. then 
when you get back onto dry land, will you have normal legs instead of sea legs? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but sometimes people can take, people often come two, three days after a boat, after they've been on a boat, and they'll still feel that like bobbing up and down action, but you will eventually adapt to get off it, yeah. But even on a train or a plane, yeah, yeah, you, sure. also, you also feel that yeah, motion if yeah. you've been on it for a considerable yeah, for amount sure. of time. Yeah, but you um, those you can take those um, motion sickness tablets. They won't have any effect on you when you're off when you're off the. Okay, train. I've got I've got a question for you about these bad earphones. Yes, so those can also cause wax impaction for sure. Two two things that problems about them. What's your sorry? What's your question before? Okay, so one right, we wearing headphones now. They're sitting on the outside yes. of our ears, and it kind of because they're really good headphones. You don't hear the other yes. noise in studio. Buds, you know, there used to be other kinds of headphones that you'd have to really crank up the volume yeah. in order to drown out the sound outside. Sure. And then they came up with this idea of these buds. Yes. And these little buds you actually put into your inner, your well, your outer ear. Yeah, into the canal. Into the canal. And that way you can listen at a higher a lower volume. A lower volume without getting the ambient noise. Yeah, sure. Um, what's your thought on those? So there's two. So it's a good thing that if you put them in your ear and you keep can keep the volume low, because as I said, any harm. If you, we've had people or I've seen patients who've had um, sensory neural hearing loss or hearing loss and cell damage um, from listening to music. You know, at um, from earphones, just using earphones the whole day. Or, so important that uh, the volume's always low. If, if someone else can hear the music who's standing next to you, then they're probably too loud. And that's probably for your car as well. Yeah, sure. So yeah, keep the keep the volume just to the lowest volume that you can that you can actually hear. And the second thing problem with those buds is that they do push the wax in often. So people who use them a lot. Often and the same as people use hearing aids, you know, often hearing aids, um, you know, they fit into the inside of your canal. You have to will periodically have your wax cleaned from the inside because the wax is constantly being pushed inside the canal. But yeah, low low volume as possible. So that's a, that. I'd say it's a good thing if they because they're cancelling out the outer noise. You don't have to um, crank, turn it up the, crank really them up that high. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've got to wrap up. I cannot believe how fast this hour has gone. But um, give us a takeaway um, aside from not using cotton pads okay. or your elbow. Fine. Well, Anything but, smaller than your elbow to clean your nose. Okay. I so mean, your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just touched my nose. Uh, and this, yeah, yeah, just you explaining know, to I the do, listeners. I do often do that. Um, <laughs> clean my elbow with my nose. So, um, first of all, it's summer. Watch your children when you're swimming. Just watch them. That's a whole different, uh, whole different issue. Yeah. Be, be safe. Sun cream, sunscreen. Watch them. Watch them swimming. Second of all, um, be careful. Public pools or any um, any water if it gets inside the ear, you can just wipe the outside with a towel or jump on the side to try and get it out. If the um, your ears are getting painful or blocked, or there's a funny smell or discharge, go and see your doctor. And don't listen to loud music on, on don't listen to loud music on earphones. It really can damage your ears, especially with your kids. Sure, you know. Yeah, if you're going watch to watch your kids, put your volume. Yeah, watch your kids when you go to a wedding as well. Yeah. <laughs> and mikvah. Yeah, Speak to your rabbi to put chlorine in your mikvah. Chlorine in your mikvah. Both mikvahs, men's mikvahs, men's and, and yeah. women's. Chlorine in the mikvah, please. Uh, 
Dr. Dean Gerson, thank you very, very much. We've got to get you back. We've got to get you back to come and talk about sinuses and noses. And and, and a memorial. We can talk about brisses. Oh, you see? Yeah, we can do a whole show just on on brisses. We could do a whole month. Yeah, that's fine. I've got got the time. (laughs) Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having Uh, me. And thank you to you for for joining us. If you have missed anything, you want to listen to the podcast, the podcast will be up on the website a little bit later on today. And that's highfm.com. Thank you to Discam for the Discam Medical Monday. God bless. And, uh, yeah, until we speak again. Bye.